Tuesday here on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Chuck Zada, Mark Schofield, back together for the very first time. We are here today to talk a little bit about the AFC East and specifically about the quality of roster construction in the AFC East. And Mark, uh, you know, this has been a division that until last year, you know, really seemed to be kind of a one-horse show with the Patriots head and shoulders above the other teams over the past several years but starting to get a little bit closer with some additional competition from the Jets and an improving Miami team over the second half of the year as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I remember when we launched the podcast, or I, actually I think it was when we had like a mock podcast, the one that we did. We were, you know, we talked about the AFC East before last season, and we thought, okay, this might finally be the year that a team breaks through. And we were thinking that Dolphins team might finally do it. But, you know, the AFC East was again won by the Pats last year. Um, maybe this is the year. Um, with the Brady suspension, that a team finally, you know, wrestles that title away from them. But as we're going to hear, you know, there are some good rosters in there. Might be some roster spots that are weak in this division. Yeah, so we are uh, joined now by Jeff Fayer from Inside the Pylon. He's put together uh, a couple pieces on his method of roster evaluation. And we're going to talk a little bit about the AFC East and what he found for those various teams here. So, Jeff, want to welcome you in, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Thanks, guys. Uh, good to be with the dynamic duo. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah, no, no. It's a, you know, I don't know about that at all. If, if by, I mean, technically, no, dyna- no dynamism is dynamic, so, well, maybe it's not, but... Let's, the, uh, the duo part's correct. We yeah. Are, okay. We, it's good we, to be with the duo. We, Fantastic. There you go. All you had to say was that right there. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, your method of roster evaluation before we get into these specific teams. For someone who isn't familiar with the uh, the method that you put together, quick couple minute synopsis of what exactly you're doing and how you go about it. Sure. Uh, what I uh, what I put together was a very subjective way because much of much of what we see in football analysis is subjective it's turning some of that subjective into a quantitative uh, by looking at each roster and in, in my analysis I use 30 roster spots in the the 30 roster spots that are generally used the most uh, for a team each season uh, gave a, a rating for each player from zero to five points and then eight by, based on eight categories and each one of those categories is based around Six different kinds of evaluation. There's the skill evaluation of each player, the type of investment, and I won't go through everything in, in great detail, but the type of investment each team makes in the player, uh, where they are in their development trajectory as far as a player goes, and the importance of each player on that roster. Once I have that, uh, that compiled, I gave each player a rating that fell into either a uh, star, next tier, a high, uh, youthful players that are at high upside or high investment or uh, upside players. Uh, good veterans, average veterans, below average veterans, and then teams that have holes at particular spots. And I think, Chuck, as I mentioned earlier, it's tough right now to say teams that have holes because there's 90-man 90, 90 rosters right now. So there isn't many holes. There's me guys at each uh, position that have a chance. So what I did, I wanted to try and look at a roster as a whole. Like I said, turn that subjective evaluation of each roster into some kind of quantitative, uh, quantitative uh, output and try and rate each roster. So I think I've gone through that. And each roster now has a talent score, a stability score, and stability score is basically those rosters that have uh, veterans that are star players or good players. And then volatility score, which is those rosters that are highly comprised of, of young players that could go either way. 
And that generally, those are the rosters that look for, I look for in seeing those teams that could take the next step. So that's a brief, brief analysis of, of what we put together here. So hopefully that gives some insight. But uh, again, I had the first piece on uh, inside the pile on that, touched on that in more detail. So let's start uh, just by going through in alphabetical order so as to avoid any type of accusation of bias here. Uh, and, and let's start with the Buffalo Bills, okay? What did you find in terms of this team as far as the, the trends within them, as in, you know, in terms of where they were highly, you know, placing highly valued players and where maybe they had some gaps? Sure. I was definitely surprised at where they ranked talent-wise. And they have the 27th ranked talent score in my ratings. I uh, thought it would be higher. I don't necessarily know why, but as you look at it, they've got 10 guys labeled as average veterans. Um, not a lot of high or not a lot of young players that have much upside. Um, I like the Preston Brown, Reggie Raglan, Ronald Darby, Adolphus Washington, four defensive building blocks on that side of the ball. Uh, but as far as the stars in the next tier players, I really had Marcel Darius and LaShawn McCoy both in that next tier. I think Darius has a chance to make that jump to the star category if he can uh, con- continue consistent play. LaShawn McCoy, I mean, you don't know because he's a 28 year old running back who has a lot of tread on the tires, and, uh, or a lot of tread off the tires, and you don't know what he's going to get after the injury-prone uh, 2015. And then the guy I pinpointed in the analysis is Sammy Watkins to maybe take that next step this year. But beyond that, there's a lot of unknown on that roster. So I was a little surprised at how low they ranked. And um, you, you see with a talent ranking that low, you want to see a volatility score that's pretty high because then you'd see, okay, yeah, their talent is low right now. But there is some youthful, uh, there's some room for development and growth in there. And right there with the Bills, you don't see that much of it, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Jeff, one of the things that stood out to me when I was looking at your, the way you broke down the Bills was that secondary. Um, you've got Stephon Gilmore, who you've got labeled as a good veteran. Ronald Darby, who's a younger player with some upside. But then, you know, four average vets in the back of that secondary. And Sterling Moore, Aaron Williams, Corey Graham, Robert Blanton. Would you be surprised that, you know, to see Buffalo just roll out with that secondary? Or do you think they're going to make some moves there to address that back end? I think that's a place that they should be looking for for any cuts that may happen or any, any, anything on the waiver wire. I was really surprised, and I know that Shaq Lawson is going to be a good player, and he's not on here right now because of the injury, the injury reasons, uh, but I was really surprised they didn't go DB in the draft. I thought that would have been a good spot for them to pinpoint. Um, not thinking of anyone in particular off the top of my head right now, but I thought that would have been a good spot. But there's no one there really that's – I mean the four solid veterans on the back end – yeah, there's no there's no room for really real growth there. I believe I had in here that they finished uh, 25th in yards per attempt allowed last season, 26th, 22nd in passing touchdowns allowed. Uh, Corey Graham is a starting safety. I mean, he's going to rack up the tackles, but he may be better utilized as a, as a nickelback. Um, so just very surprised that they didn't address a lot of that in free agency. I mean, not much change at all in, in free agency. Uh, most of the guys on this chart, as I'm looking at it right now, Reggie Ragland, Colby Listenby, Adolphus Washington, I believe are the only three that were acquired in this year's draft. So tw- three out of the 30 guys on your uh, condensed depth chart here, there needs to be more room for growth, and I just don't see that right now. And Mark, as you pointed out, I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot of stagnant, I mean, it's, it's stable veterans, but no real room for up- upside. Jeff, turning now to the Dolphins, uh, this is a team that throughout much of the late 90s and into the 2000s, renowned for its defensive prowess, but struggled to put it together offensively. 
we've seen a little bit of a shift in the last couple of years, and it appears that when you look at the talent on the team here, it bears that out as well now. Absolutely. Uh, I like what they're doing as far as investing in the offensive line. Uh, you know, there's some questions. There were some questions when they were drafted about Billy Turner and Juwan James being inserted right into there. But I think you give those young guys a little bit of development in the same system over time, and you see some growth. Um, Devontae Parker had a great last half of the season last year. Um, you, uh, Arian Foster signing, I mean, that's in when you look at the whole the roster as a whole, moving Arian Foster into that starting tailback slot just makes the talent on your roster that much better, regardless of what you get out of Arian Foster, because you're not thrusting either Jay uh, Ajay or, um, I'm sorry, Kenyon Drake into that starting role right away. You're giving them a little time to develop, and that's just going to make your roster more sound over time. Uh, getting Mario Williams relatively on the cheap, hoping to get a motivated guy on a, on a short contract, that's a big deal. Um, but they really did a good job, of, of, I think, of developing this roster, and I'm high on Adam Gase. I really think Adam Gase is going to do wonders for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I have Tannehill rated as an average veteran because, again, this is relative to other quarterbacks in the league rather than his upside as a whole because he's been in the league for four years already. Uh, but I think there is a lot of room for, uh, for growth in this roster. And, you know, Cameron Wake, Sue, Mario Williams, Earl Mitchell along that front line. I mean, that's a, if they put it all together, that could be devastating. One of the things that really stands out looking at that Miami offense is, like you mentioned, not only the offensive line, they've got some young players up there with a lot of upside, but also that wide receiver position. I really like the way they address that. And I think you share that opinion, especially with both Parker and Carew. You've got them as you know the third and fourth wide receivers, but guys with tremendous upside at that position. That's one thing I tried to do when I looked at the depth charts. They may not be there now as far as Carew is the fourth wide receiver, but when you look at the team as a whole, that's who you would hope would slot into that fourth receiver. Cruz, the guy that ex- was dot, was really, really explosive at Rutgers, had some off-the-field issues, gets that sorted out. He's, he was talked about as potentially a first-round pick, I believe, before last season, and really did wonders on a Rutgers team that was not all that good. But I think if you have a future of Jarvis Landry and probably playing him out of the slot more, Kenny Stills is your deep guy, Devontae Parker is your every-down receiver – Whatever they get out of Carew is gravy if they have those three solid guys there. So I really like what they've done in, in building that instead of relying on you know retread veterans like Mike Wallace um, or Greg Jennings in that position. Heading down the list, uh, we come to the New England Patriots who uh, do have the highest talent ranking in the division as well as the highest stability ranking in the division. Is there any particular area that this is uh, kind of uh, congregated or is it spread throughout their team? I noticed that they were, uh, they're building a lot on the offensive line with young guys in that interior offensive line, as well as their defensive backfield. Um, although you, I believe it was re- released today that both Shaq Mason and I believe Trey Jackson are going to be on the pup list to start training camp. Um, but building in those areas of the interior line, uh, you know, it's not somewhere they've always put a lot of, um, a lot of emphasis on, uh, mostly on the, on the tackle positions. And then the DBs, you know, Malcolm Butler, Logan Ryan, and Cyrus Jones, none of those guys are, are blue-chip first-round picks, but they are guys that have been thrust in this position and that the Patriots seem to have confidence in going forward. Malcolm Butler there got a high, um, a high investment player rating based on the fact that they have him as the number one quarter right now, not because they got, you know, if they was strictly on what they gave up for him as far as signing him as a street free agent or college free agent, 
it would be a low investment high or a high upside player. But the fact that he's the number one DB and they have a lot riding on that, that bumps his score up there. Um, I like what they did in the defensive line. Uh, they lost Chandler Jones, but they came right in right away and got two good vet- two solid veterans in Terrace Knighton and Chris Long. Malcolm Brown has a chance to break out if Sheard and Knighton and Long can draw some of that attention off of Brown. Uh, and I really look for Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower to take that next step this year. So there's a chance by the middle of the season, this score could be a lot higher because there is room for development on the Patriots. The 26th ranked volatility score, which is pretty low, not a lot of young guys, but I still do think there is room for growth. Jeff, do you think, uh, you know, looking at that New England defense, obviously it looks like they're going to play a lot of nickel. They've got those two linebackers you highlighted, Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower. But after that, the depth at linebacker kind of thins out. Hightower had some injuries last season. Do you expect New England to probably, you know, they brought in Shea McClellan from Chicago, but do you think that's going to be enough? I mean, you've, you know Shea, you've seen him you know, being out there in the Midwest. Do you think he's going to be enough of a depth sign-in for them? I, you know, I've seen so much Shea McClellan over the la- over his entire career. I live in Chicago, and you know, even though I'm not a Bears fan, it's I watch every Bears game, so I've seen a lot of Shea McClellan, and I just do not see him as a viable linebacker in the Patriots system. Just, I mean, again, it's just my opinion, but based on what I've seen, I just don't see it. And that's like you said, Mark. Though I think they are going to go to a lot of five or six DBs because when you have, I mean, Jordan Richards is a guy I like a lot coming out of Stanford. And he's, he's your 6 DB right now. That's a good situation to be in for the Patriots. So I think they're going to be able to do a lot more creative things on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and But I think they do, if they can get someone in there, a veteran that's, that's cut that wants to come in and you know potentially vie for a championship and get some playing time right away, I think that's a, a spot for an upgrade right away for the Patriots. Jeff, we've got about five minutes left, so we're going to turn over to the New York Jets now. And my takeaway after going through uh, what you put together here, incredibly talented defense, no quarterback, and no depth on offense. That would be a brilliant assessment. I was so surprised when I put it all together, the final ratings for the Jets. And and this comes into a little bit of the development aspect of this whole ratings methodology um, that I'm trying to get a handle on and trying to, again, develop over the course of time is because there probably should be some weights in here. Uh, regarding positions. Because if you have a, a below-average veteran slotted in at the quarterback position like they do Geno Smith right now, yet they still have the 10th highest talent ranking in the league, I, th- there's something that's off there. So I was just shocked when that score came out. But again, you're talking about four guys that are at the top of their positions in Brandon Marshall, Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, and then Darrell Revis. Uh, Revis maybe a little bit of the downswing a little bit. But they do have a lot of upside guys in that defense. Leonard Williams showed flashes last year that he's going to be the next dominant defensive lineman. I really like Jordan Jenkins and Malden on the outside. Darren Lee is a guy I was high on. Kelvin Pryor, I think, is going to be a, a good player. And the, the really odd rating here that some people may think is odd is having D. Milner as a high upside guy. Um, it's going to the nickel cornerback position is so important right now in the NFL, and the fact that they invested a number nine pick on him in the draft. And he, he missed last season with a torn ACL. But that's a, that's a real, that's a real uh, you know, hot-button point right there from them this year. If they get something out of D. Milner the, at the nickel cornerback position, because there really isn't much behind him there. If they get something out of him, that's a, that's a big deal. The elephant in the room, of course, is that quarterback position, Jeff. And you've got Geno Smith, like you said, slotted in there. Is that who you expect to see under center week one for the Jets? I tell you what, if they get Geno Smith under center... 
and nothing against Geno Smith, but they got Geno Smith on their center. Uh, they got some they got some bigger issues at work. But I think there is I think there is something to be said about that. You know, they, did they catch lightning in a bottle last year with Fitzpatrick, or was that who they're going to get for another year? So putting too much emphasis on that position, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a solid player, and you know what you know what you're going to get from him. From you know the last year may have been lightning in a bottle. But you know he's going to be a solid player. Geno Smith, you have no idea what to expect. I mean, they have Christian Hackenberg sitting there, but I don't think you want to go into next year with Christian Hackenberg either. I don't expect Geno Smith to start. I fully expect them to get something resolved with Ryan Fitzpatrick because I think that's a, that's a tipping point for the entire season. You see the talent they have on the roster. If they bring Fitzpatrick in, that could, swing the, that could be the swinging point of a play, playoff spot. Jeff, we, uh, we're just about wrapped up now, but uh, I know a lot of people have been asking what's coming next, and uh, just wanted to ask you, since we got you here, what's the, uh, what's the next division that you're going to be making your way through? AFC North is next right now. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm working through that. I got all the scores for every team already set. Just a matter of getting the, the words down on paper and issuing that, hopefully, in the next couple of days here. Well, that sounds, uh, sounds like a pretty good plan, and uh, we are out of time, but we certainly appreciate you joining us, all right? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. That is Jeff Fair from Inside the Pylon. Mark, we're done. Another great day. Tremendous work from Jeff. People have to check out that series. He's doing great work with it. Definitely check it out. Uh, Makes for some great debate as well, as you've seen on Twitter. It is a uh, a very good series that he's putting together there, so I do highly encourage you to spend a little bit of time uh, going through it. It's pretty easy to understand, yet it still gives you some good depth uh, and knowledge on these different teams. But we are out of time for the day. We are closing in on hump day tomorrow. Mark and I are back here for that on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Podcast.